So, can we... Wait, no, wrong show. Hey, um... So, I just quickly wanted to attack this on in the beginning before anything else. Um, sorry this took so long, and I really hope you enjoy it. If you've been listening to Percentages, or you follow me on Twitter or whatever, you know what the fuck's been up, and why this is taking so long, and I'm gonna do my absolute best to get it out faster next time. Uh, I've already got a good chunk of the next one written, so... Hopefully it won't be 10 months. Anyway, hope you enjoy it, and yeah, I'll see you. Chapter 6, The Hotel Room Fiona decided that sitting in the motel room was a waste of time. Alright, Red, we're going out. Come on. Grace perked up. What? Where? Gonna show you a little taste of the old world. Captain held a hand out to Quinn. You coming with us, Q? small blonde woman just shook her head. Grace's brow furrowed. You sure? The engineer tried to smile, but did a pretty terrible job of it. Yeah, I'll be fine. All right. Fiona ushered her pilot out the door, Quinn calling out as they left. Get me something to eat. The streets were crowded. Cars, people, what Grace later finally learned were dogs, shops, and buildings, and everything. It was like the halls of left break, but huge. She looked around in wonder at the massive buildings that surrounded them, a wide open space. The town the Saki had been hosted in had seemed so massive to her before now. A mile or two was unthinkable space in her mind still. Even the two-story apartment building she'd lived in seemed huge. But this, this was incredible. Buildings that stretched out into low-hanging clouds, more people than she could count, new noises, sights and smells. She heard music that was new to her, saw foods she didn't know existed, watched as different vehicles in different states of disrepair drove by. They passed through a section of the city that seemed to be nothing but huge, squat buildings. Sounds of machinery and workers was loud enough to drown out the traffic. What's in all these? Fiona pointed to the sign in the distance. Mostly, they're just here to keep the old world alive. The way we heard about it was that when everything started going to shit and floods started, they shipped as much as they could inland, up in the mountains. Denver got most of it, along with Boulder. And they just set up shop, making cars and planes and computers and everything. Hell, they still make medicine and everything else up here. Same as a couple places over west in Utah out east in the metro, and a few places in Michigan. Huh, so I guess they had a while before it all happened. They proceeded in a cluster of factories and warehouses, back in more crowded streets. Long enough to build the ships. Grace dragged Fiona into every open store, to every street vendor, down every alley. The older woman rolled her eyes at the girl as she held up things she wanted. I need to start paying you, don't I, Greeley? Grace nodded and held up a dress that caught her eye. Pay me in tools, parts, and clothes. For now. Fiona chuckled and then took the clothing from her. Alright, alright. Grace stared up in wonder at a tall, peaked building. The sloped roof, ornately designed spires, and colored windows drew her eye. She took a few steps up the tall staircase in front of her. What's this place, Fee? A church. Well... It used to be, back before. Probably still is, but not the, not the same way. 
Fiona looked uneasy. What do you mean? Redhead looked up at the stained glass again. Nothing. Let's... Let's go grab a drink. The pair ended the day in a bar in the middle of the city. They'd been out so long and had been so many places that Grace no longer knew how to get back. Fee, this is amazing. Captain nodded and sat at the bar, glancing over at the bartender. Dark skinned, soft looking man with a round face and short black hair. He nodded at her and broke off his conversation, bringing an unopened bottle of booze with him. It's been well, man. He had an accent Grace had never heard before. It has. She accepted the bottle and cracked it open, taking a drink straight from it. How's it been, Adam? Don't complain too much. He set a glass in front of both Fiona and Grace. How's the old man? Drinks were poured before Fiona replied. He's been okay. Hands giving him trouble lately. Good, good. The awkward silence that followed was a bit too much for Grace. So, uh, hi. Adam gave a little start. Oh, yeah, sorry. Hi, I'm Adam. Johnson. I'm guessing you're new. Grace, uh, Fee found me a while back. He raised an eyebrow. Fee, eh? She's special. Doesn't give you permission. Yes, ma'am. So, given any thought to what I asked last time I was here? He sighed and took another drink. Grace noticed the tension increase tenfold. I can't, ma'am. You already know that. He's not going to live forever, you know. You should at least come see him once. I can't leave Molly, and no offense, but there's no way in hell I'm taking her up there. Untaken. I wouldn't bring a kid who hadn't grown up with us there either. But at least consider stopping by once we get settled again, alright? He misses you. Just hard to get his old bones moved around. Yeah, maybe. Grace watched the two. There was clearly more history there. The fact that he wasn't part of the crew, but still called her ma'am. That she still acted like he was a subordinate. The tension. It all told Grace that something had happened in the past. The pilot's eyes widened. Fee, we forgot to bring food back to Quinn. Adam's eyebrows shut up. Quinn's here? Like, in town? Fiona's look was the same as one of the Cratch mothers catching a child about to steal a sweet, Grace thought. No, she's stressed enough right now being out. You can talk to her if you come and see your dad. But... Boy, I will not hesitate to break an ankle to keep your ass here. Yes, ma'am. He grumbled and took a third drink. An obviously drunken patron leaned over his stool towards them. Hey, bitch, fucking listen when I talk to you. Shut your fucking trap and get me another fucking drink. For a moment, Grace thought he was talking to her, and she wished she had a wrench to throw at him. But then she noticed Adam slowly turn around. Excuse me? You're fucking deaf. I said give me a goddamn drink. He nearly roared. The bar went silent as Adam stood. Some of the other patrons, regulars, stood as well. So... I'm going to give you the count of three to get the fuck out of my bar. Or what, bitch? The drunk shot up out of his seat, nearly falling over, completely oblivious to the dozen or so angry-looking people around him. Or I'll... Or I'll take you apart and throw the goddamn pieces to the dogs. Understood. Fiona cut him off, stepping between the two. Fuck you. And without another word, the man threw his empty glass in their direction. It missed and went sailing through the window. The sound of shattering glass was the spark to the fire. Before anyone else could make a move, Fiona rushed him, driving an elbow into his sternum, punching him in the throat as he stumbled backward. 
He gurgled and choked and fell against the bar. Before he could recover, she grabbed his hair and slammed the side of his head into the wooden slab before closing one of her large hands around his throat and stepping on the back of his knee. It was over in seconds. The rest of the angry patrons stood, mouths agape, looking from Fiona to Adam. He nodded to them, motioning for them to sit back down. Free round to everyone for having to deal with this waste pile. Sorry about that, guys. One of the women in the back called to him. It's alright, sweetie. You're the one gotta deal with these assholes. We should be buying you the drinks. General voices of agreement came from the rest of the bar. Adam smiled and turned back to the drunk man. He didn't seem to be conscious. Fiona had really done a number on him. Want me to call the cops? The captain shook her head. Nah, I'm doing exactly what I said. This fucker's going to the dogs. Where's your truck? Before he could reply, another regular held up a set of keys. It's the beat up gray one around the corner. I'll give you a hand. The woods were quiet. Fiona and the man from the bar, Tom, as she now knew him, rode in silence. They went out far enough that the drunk could find his way back, but not without a bit of work. Tom parked and helped her haul him from the truck. So, you're the captain I always hear about, huh? Adam talks about you lot all the time. She snorted. <laughs> all bad, I'm guessing. He's got enough reasons to. Nah, usually good things. They drug his body off the side of the road and stood over him, staring for a moment. Well, what should we do? Just leave him here? Tom asked. Fiona nodded her head. This fuck really wouldn't be missing if he didn't show back up, would he? She considered cutting his throat and being done with it. Insulting her crew, even ones that were no longer with her, was punishable by death. After a moment's consideration, she nodded at Tom. I'll take care of this. You go back up to the truck. He nodded. Fine with me. He wouldn't last too long if he came back to town anyway. When he was gone, Fiona crouched down and slapped the drunk across his face a few times until he woke up. He didn't say anything, just blinked hazily and mouthed words. Listen to me, and listen damn well. If I or anyone I know in town ever see you again, we won't fucking hesitate to cut out your tongue and fucking choke you with it. But she stood up feeling generous right now. I guess you're lucky Adam got a few drinks in me before you showed your ass. What? He looked around, still blinking slowly. Without another word, she kicked him in the ribs hard enough to roll him onto his stomach. Satisfying crack could be heard as she did, and the man screamed. Now after I leave, you're gonna go to head west. You're gonna keep heading west until you can't fucking move anymore, got me? You can go fuck up someone else's bar, but if you ever come back to Denver, and if you ever show your fucking face anywhere near Adams, I will use you as fuel in my ship. Got me? The man whimpered and moaned, hugging himself, obviously not hearing anything she said. Ah, fuck it. You know, his leg raised and came down with all their might, stomping on the back of his knee as hard as she could. A pop, a crack, and the feel of something tearing, and the man screamed loud enough for it to echo for nearly a minute after. I told you, I'll leave you to the fucking dogs. She made her way back to Tom's truck. He nodded and they both climbed in. Neither spoke on the return trip, both listening to the faint howl of hounds in the forest. He dropped her by the bar and nodded his goodbye. Before he pulled away, Fiona said, 
thanks for looking out for him. Tom gave a half shrug. We take care of our own. Don't worry about Adam. Nothing will happen to him around here. Good night, ma'am. Hey, damn, it's getting late, isn't it? Better get back. Thanks again, Tom. The next day, hotel room, Old Town, Denver, Colorado. The engineer and captain sat up, flipping through the channels on the half-working television. Gray slept on the edge of the single bed in their room. So, what'd he say? Quinn sighed and glanced at the pile of papers sitting between them. He said it's agoraphobia, like last time. We, uh, we talked about some of the things that happened before. Back when, I mean, before Mother and... Yeah, back with the 68s. Back. Fiona reached over and touched her shoulder. It's okay, I get it. Quinn took a deep breath and paused a moment. He said that it's, uh, that it's probably linked to that. To everything that happened then. Trauma and all that. He, um, he said that if I came by and saw him every couple of months and kept up on the pills he gave me, then I might be okay eventually. Someday. Maybe. Captain squeezed her friend's shoulder and nodded. You're gonna be fine. I, I hope so. There was a pregnant pause for a moment before Fiona continued. So, I saw Adam today. Quinn's eyes widened and she ran a hand through her hair, noticing it was damp from sweat. Uh, oh, um, how, how, uh, how is he? He's fine. Little trouble at the bar, nothing we couldn't take care of. He says I. Ah, I, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to send him a message. Maybe. Um, did you see, uh, um, did you see Molly? Nah, she's probably at her dad's. Or school. When the fuck do kids start going to school? Shit. Probably at school. He's, he's doing well, though. Really? Fiona huffed. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah, he's fine, Q. Don't go stressing about everything. You got your own stuff to deal with right now, alright? Yeah. Yeah. Just... Haven't heard from him in so long. Wasn't... Wasn't really sure. The Saki. Somewhere above Minnesota. John and Emily. The cold wasn't as bad as he remembered, but it was close. Rain was more slushier as he stood with his protege on the deck of the ship. She quivered, but did her best not to let him see. He, on the other hand, waved a shaking hand at her before chattering. You know we can do this inside, right? There ain't no point in freezing our asses off. She waved him off dismissively and shook her head. Damn it. Alright. So far, he hadn't been able to determine her talent. They crossed off shields and healing already, much to Doc's chagrin. She wasn't able to lift boilers or breathe fire, wasn't able to do anything that John could think of trying. That was the problem with all of this. Even if you did possibly have some mutation that gave you some kind of power or ability or what have you, you didn't exactly have a label that told you what it was or how to control it. 
John had found out the hard way nearly 30 years back when he accidentally blew a hole through the side of a steel mill he'd worked at. He'd been working just like normal when he noticed the burr grinder in his hands was vibrating oddly. He turned it off to check to see if the pad was loose, only to realize it was still vibrating and heating up. I tell you, I ain't never thrown something so fast in my life. That machine had turned bright red and started melting like it was in a damn oven. I tried getting back away from it touched an oxygen tank that the welders sometimes used. Damn thing started doing the same thing where I touched it. Took less than a minute before it blew up. Took most of the wall and part of me with it. He pulled up his shirt to show her the scar that covered the entire left side of his ribcage. Damn near took a lung. Took a small knife from his jacket pocket, noting that she still reflectively tensed when he did. He ran his right index finger slowly along the flat of the blade. The metal hummed quietly, then steadily louder as it began to turn red. He slashed the blade through the air as it liquefied. A spatter of molten metal hit the deck and quickly cooled. Took a long time before I could handle a damn bottle, I'll tell you that. The Sakit Bridge Silas looked over the maps that Leela had handed him. They were old, ancient in fact ones that had been recovered by some scavenger or another. He stared at the plastic-coated pages at what the world had looked like hundreds of years ago. She set a small disk of wood on the map gently. We're about here, according to Stevens. There's a new lake here, and this river, she pointed to a small blue line. That's about as the width of the Sakia is long. But over here, she pointed to another area just south of, that was known as the Metro formerly Minneapolis. This is all flat enough to get set up on. There is already an established trade route nearby. We'd be close enough to the metro so that the Pats wouldn't fuck with us. Oh, and apparently they do trade with the West somehow. Silas looked at the map a bit more, then out one of the windows. If he knew one thing about this area, it was that it got deathly cold in the winter, but otherwise seemed like the best option they had. Before he gave the order, he fished his phone from his pocket and flipped it open. Small display showed a fairly good signal, even at their altitude. Yeah, sounds fine. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go call Fiona so I don't have to do this anymore. Somewhere. Flames and gunfire, shouts and screams, the sound of machinery looming closer. Michael, Michael, we need you up here. The brown-haired man's head snapped in the direction of the voice. He hefted a large pack and grabbed his rifle, trotting forward to the front of the warehouse. Michael, we need to get everyone out. The Pats are fucking mowing us down. Frank's dead, Joel's missing a leg, and Janice ran off somewhere saying something about flanking them. We need to get them to duck their heads for a few seconds so we can get everyone out the back. Think you're up for it? The wiry man peeked through the window next to them and counted one... Two, three, there were at least fifteen heavily armored troopers outside in what looked like at least three APCs. He ducked back down and closed his eyes for a moment, taking the entire situation in. There were at least thirty people, either too young, too old, or too sick to fight, hiding in the warehouse. It'd take them a few minutes to at least get to the back doors, and another few to get them outside, and at least ten before they'd be safe enough distance away for him to let off. He figured twenty minutes. Maybe. That's a big maybe. 
think I have 15 minutes in me at most, and that's if I eat something. You're gonna have to get them running as soon as you're out the door. The man nodded and made his way to the group, rounding them up. Michael took a deep breath and took off his pack and set the rifle within easy reach. He dug for a moment, grabbing one of the poorly wrapped energy bars he'd made, mostly a concoction of ancient health powders and grains that he'd been able to buy, all held together with honey, and took a few bites. It'd have to do. Go! As soon as he saw the group begin to move, he raised one arm up as it burst into flames. The heat was instantly blazing at him, making him squint against it. Fire coming from his skin didn't burn him, but damn if it wasn't red hot as soon as it hit the air. He took another deep breath and let the fire go, losing control on it as he lashed out from his hand, whipping across the front lines of the slowly advancing Patriots. A few of them were caught in the initial blast, their legs burning off at the knee and shin, falling to the ground screaming in agony, flesh instantly cauterized. He let loose again, another slash of fire driving the troops behind cover. Michael could smell burnt flesh and metal, but also the smell of his own burnt hair. I have to shave his head again if he made it out of this alive. He hated being bald. One of the APCs lined up its mounted guns with him, and he could see the barrel beginning to spin up. Oh, fuck. As he dove to the right, the 50 cal bullets ripped through the brick wall and in the space he'd just been standing. His pack had taken a few rounds and was now shredded on the ground, his food and supplies scattered everywhere. Fuck. His left arm burst into flames as well, and he melted the knob of the door next to him, kicking it open. He couldn't lose total control, not without burning down everything for a few hundred feet around him, but he could let loose on these assholes at least. Gods of flame erupted from the doorway, bathing the nearest APC a few dozen yards away in white-hot fire. The treads melted and ammunition inside started going off, killing the driver. He turned his attention to the line of troops again, sending a massive wave of fire at them. A few, the ones unlucky enough to be caught in the open, burned, their armor melting and fusing to their bodies. The two remaining APCs fired in his direction, and he let loose a wall of flame, turning the bullets into slag that pelted the walls around him. His breathing was labored already, and his vision was blurring from the heat and strain. Fifteen minutes was a gross overestimate. He wasn't going to last five. He chanced and glanced back to find that the group was almost completely gone, save for a few of the more able-bodied people helping the slowest ones out. Good. Almost time to stop with the show. He wasn't built for any sustained combat. He was, in fact, literally built specifically for short fights that lasted a few moments. It was bred into him. The Jamestown, his former home, was originally the testing place for the old government's genetic experiments. He was somewhat of a byproduct of that. Not quite a failure, but not quite what they'd been going for. It didn't matter now. The ship was gone and most of the people that had been created on it were dead. Only a handful, and most of them were off either working directly for their dear Lord General or in hiding. He swayed a little, turning off the flames for a moment. He needed to cool down, needed food and water, but the bullets that pinged off the door frame told him that he wouldn't be getting that. The main reason he wasn't considered a complete success was that he wasn't immune to fire. He could burn just as easily as the troops outside, which meant if he screwed up once, he was a dead man. There was no coming back from what was essentially a stream of plasma hitting you. He blind-fired a few small balls of fire, chuckling slightly as he heard one connect with someone. They were gone at least, which meant, hopefully, he could let loose and end this quickly. If they were too close, well, he could always find another town to shack up in. Fuck it. 
Ah, fuck it. He turned the flames on again, the fire burning away what little was left of his shirt and catching his hair on fire. Wincing at the heat waves of heat, he let a torrent of flame out at them. He pushed himself as hard as he could, pouring everything into it. The flames turned white and washed over everything outside, spreading out and up like a plume of mushroom cloud. After a moment, he turned it off, killing the fires completely and slumped against the wall, exhausted. He glanced at his watch a moment. It had only been five minutes and thirty-two seconds. If that hadn't been enough to at least get them to retreat, he was dead either way. Flight Control, Denver, Colorado. Fucking finally, you took forever finding a new damn place to settle, Fiona nearly screamed into her phone, grinning, something Grace hadn't often seen on the captain. Yeah, yeah, alright, yeah, I know the place. About 80 miles south of that one town we'd stopped at a few years ago, yeah? Oh, that close to the metro? You sure? Alright. Another pause, more grinning. Yeah, I'll make a quick stop and see if it's still around. If it is, I'll pick up a bottle or two from when we get home. I love you too, baby. She spun around to them. Alright, girls, time to go the fuck home. You both got everything you need? Grace nodded. That order came in yesterday, so I'm good. Quinn just quietly nodded. She'd been like that the last few days, quiet and disconnected. Her fear had subsided, but now, at least to Grace, she looked almost emotionless. The pilot and captain shared a glance. Hey, Q, what's going on? She jumped a little, as if she'd just been woken up. Hmm? Uh, nothing. I'm fine. Just really tired. What's up? We're going home. We're going home. Get your shit together. The engineer brightened up a little. R really? Finally? I yeah, I think. Uh, that doc gave me enough meds to the last couple months, I think. Bertha's all loaded up with everything that wouldn't spoil. Everything else we can go pick up right now. Alright, good. Let's get the fuck out of Dogtown, finally. Miss Farrington? A woman Grace hadn't seen before was staring at Quiss. I yes? Oh, hi. Hi, Nurse. Marianne. Sorry, I have a message for you from Dr. O'Brien. He'd like to see you for a final follow-up, as well as refer you to a therapist. Is 10 in the morning alright? I... We were just about to head out, actually. Is... Is it really important? Be a good thing to see him, just to make sure the medication is at the correct dosage, and go over any of the questions you might have. The nurse was an older, heavy-set woman, but her weight seemed to be more for utility than anything, like a mother who's taken care of too many children. Uh, uh alright. Hey, um, C Captain? Fiona sighed. It's alright, another day won't hurt us. I do have a question, though, Marianne. Just how in the hell did you find us out here? Oh, I was actually heading to Salt Sea for a week. They need supplies, and I've got family there. They send me out all over when they need something done. The docs, bless their hearts, don't quite trust the pilots with medications. Uh, oh, I, I didn't know you were a pilot, ma'am. The nurse beamed and nodded. It's been a... The nurse beamed and nodded. I ain't been a nurse my whole life, honey. Well, at least not one at a hospital. Captain thought for a moment, her expression brightening. 
Wait a minute. Wait. Mary the Butcher? Hot damn, I thought you were only a legend. Grace, who had been silently trying to take in everything that was happening, was finally lost enough to ask, Wait, who? The older one sighed and rolled her eyes. Ain't never done butchered nothing. <laughs> oh, girls, you're in the presence of a legend. You don't remember me, do you? The nurse gave a frustrated look and looked up at Fiona. For the first time, probably ever, Grace thought the captain recoiled a little. Girl, I will end you if you go making a scene here, I swear to the Miss Mother. Her tone was that of a mother who'd run out of patience for an overexcited child. Sorry, ma'am. Uh, just... Ain't every day you get to meet someone like yourself. You saved me back about ten years ago after I crashed out near Salt Sea. You took down so many of them forties, I thought you had an army with you. Never got to properly thank you, ma'am. Fiona's voice was almost reverent. That was a long time ago, honey. A long, long time ago. No need to go thanking people for things they'd rather forget. I I'm sorry, ma'am. Marianne smiled and patted Fiona on the shoulder. The captain looked so small and fragile at that moment. She was less the looming queen that Grace had come to think of her and more a scared child. It's alright, child. She turned back to Quinn. Go and see O'Brien tomorrow around ten or so. Won't take long, and then y'all can be on your way, alright? Yes, ma'am. Quinn looked like she wanted to hide behind Fiona, who looked like she wanted to hide behind Grace. Good girl. Now, she turned back to the captain. If you're ever out near Salt Sea or back here in Denver, let me know, Captain Fiona. Fiona blinked a few times and tilted her head to the side slightly. But before she could say anything, Marianne continued. Oh, don't be so shocked. We hear rumblings about the Saki and your crew even out here. Dread Captain Fiona carries a little weight around here, you know. As I said, honey, look me up when you're around again, and we'll talk. I'll see y'all around. Fiona was too stunned to say anything as the woman walked away. After a few moments, she turned to Grace and Quinn. I... I think we should make a supply run sooner than later after we get back. I... I can't believe... She... She even knows who we are. Quinn's face was stern and concerned. Captain, if she knows who we are, don't you think we might need to lay low for a while? Having too big a name means... Well, I really don't want that one August to happen all over again. The trio started towards the exit of the flight control tower, heading to find a motel for the night. I'm not really that big. They think we're dead anyway. Should be okay. I think. This episode of The Hunted was written, recorded, and produced by me, Gabby, with uh, additional voices by Max. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast or anything else that we do, head on over to patreon.com SSP and chip in a little bit of money. We're not going to tell you no. I mean, hell, it helps, so, yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs>